PointClickFish.com. Your connection to the saltwater fishing community brings you Saltwater Fishing Radio. Are you a professional tournament angler, fishing captain, or novice angler looking to learn from the pros? Listen to live discussions from some of the best in the industry, the biggest TV fishing stars, interviews with captains, sponsors, and fishing teams. Your trusted source for the latest tournament updates, industry news, and interviews. It's time to talk fishing with your host, Captain Jay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Point Click Fish Saltwater Radio Fishing Show. We're excited tonight to uh, have a great show lined up, but I know it's uh, had a little bit of a false introduction. Captain Jay is actually on a, uh, a retreat taking care of some business, and I'm, I've got Price on the line here with me tonight. Price, you here? I'm here tonight, Wayne. How are you doing? I'm excited. We've got a great show tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of filling in for Jay. I know everybody's used to hearing Jay. Uh, you know, there's a possibility he may call in tonight, but if not, Wayne and I have it under control, and we got a great show tonight, Wayne. Yeah, Jay's got his hands tied up in some official business right now, but we're happy to uh, you know, be back in the studio here on a Thursday night, and you know, we really got a great show, as you mentioned, coming up through the night. Uh, a great guest calling in to share some more information on the South Florida fishery. You know, we talked last week to uh, Peter Miller from Bass to Bill Fisheries. We've really been reaching out to that Florida audience recently, and you know, we want to remind people that they can uh, they can still catch that. Price, tell us how they can listen into that last show. Well, I'll tell you what. You can actually, there's several ways that you can do. Uh, one, you can go to pointclickfish.com, and you'll see our radio button over on the right-hand side. Uh, and you can go hit the radio button, and you can find the podcast. Every show that we do here, uh, even the one tonight, will be recorded. And if you have iTunes or Android, uh, it works on any device. So you can go over there, hit the show. Uh, and then, of course, like Wayne said, last week we had a very, very popular show uh, with Peter Miller with Bass to Billfish. And, you know, Peter's just one of those guys that is just, uh, uh, he's been around the industry so long, and he, he's just a professional at what he does. And so we got a lot of good feedback, and a lot of people have sent us some questions on social media asking about Peter. Uh, so we reached out to Peter, and we said that we're definitely for sure going to have to do another show with him sometime in the future. So people are really excited to hear Peter Miller. Yeah, well, he's he's got a great reputation, and the, the South Florida fishery, in, in and among itself, right now at this time of year, just just really attracts a lot of attention. We we talked about it last week that while the rest of us are in the middle of our you know winter blues and kind of cabin fever sets in, South Florida fishing's like like fall. You know, it's on fire down there right now. It's it's great to get an update from him, and you know, luckily we're starting to see signs of spring. In our area now, you know, the groundhog came through and gave us a good prediction, and we're looking forward to some, you know, warming water temperatures, which is going to really trigger the uh, the fishing here along the North Carolina coast. Of course, most of our regular listeners know that we're based out of Moorhead City, the Crystal Coast area, and uh, here off the Carolina coast over the past week, I've, I've seen some pretty good reports. You know, we had a, a couple of boats from the Oregon Oregon Inlet Fishing Center that went out offshore. And uh, the bluefin were there. There were a couple of bluefin that were landed out of that area, so that bite getting started and continuing to roll on through the winter season. And some yellowfin showed up too, which is you know a great sign for for anglers that are out targeting these larger pelagic species. Uh, yellowfin, of course, are 
great table fair, and uh, the Oregon Fishing Center is rocking and rolling right now and getting ready to, uh, you know, have a good tuna season, I'm sure, anticipating the spring and summer season as well. And here in the New York City area, the, the inshore bite continues to be uh, you know, be pretty good, almost like a fall pattern. We had that one cool down where it got cold and stayed in there around freezing for three or four days in a row, but then it went right back up again. So speckled trout have gone back on feed. There's been pretty good reports of uh, anglers being able to catch plenty of fish around, you know, both with inlet and back into haystacks areas along and around Moorhead City. Um, the red drum down near Swansboro are stood up in the, in the inshore waters. They moved back and forth from the ocean out um, the inlet and back into the Swansboro holes, uh, back in some of the creeks and rivers back there. And there's been good reports of some fish uh, stood up back there, four or 500 fish at a time, which offers some just great sight casting opportunities, uh, really, really fun angling for this time of year. So even though, you know, water temperatures are, are down in the, the low 50s, um, warming back up again hopefully soon, there's uh, there's still a pretty good bite for those red drum back in the inshore waters right now, too. So it's certainly no reason to, uh, you know, to keep the boat put away. It's, it's a good opportunity to get out on the water, to learn more about what's going on in the area. But uh, we still kind of got our sights set on southern destinations. Right now in, in North Carolina, we hear a lot of people who are down in the state of Florida, who are going to Mexico, going to Costa Rica. Um, those types of destinations really just attract a, a lot of anglers through the winter season. And we're really, really excited to have on a Another great captain from the southwest Florida coast, Captain Jesse McDowell of Florida Inshore Extreme Charters, is, is going to be calling in with us tonight, talking to us a little bit about his guide business and the fish that he targets. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to learn a lot about what's going down in, down in the area around Boca Grande tonight as he calls in. Well, uh, I was going to say, Wayne, we have our guest with us tonight. And so I know we're excited, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you start. Yeah, Captain Jesse, you here with us? Hey, Wayne. Hey, Price. What's going on, gentlemen? Not a lot, man. I definitely appreciate you taking the time to, to call in and talk with our audience a little bit about what you've got uh, happening down your way down in South Florida. Hey, my pleasure. I was always I was uh, very excited when uh, when Price asked me and you guys, we finally got a t- chance to chit-chat and, um, you know, invited me to come in and show. So, yeah, absolutely, I'm excited to do all this. Um, it's been a while since I've been on the radio, so, you know, forgive me if things get a little rusty sometimes, but I'm sure we'll get some flow going here in just a second. But uh, Price and I had a chance to, to chit-chat a little bit today about what was going on down here. And actually, yeah, we've had a great um, – we have a great fishery down here, um, especially – I'm sorry to, to hear you guys are so cold right now. I've seen a, there's a pretty big front going through. I'm sure you guys are getting wet. We're getting ready to get some of it as well down here, but definitely not as cold as it is uh, down here as it is for you guys up there, but – well, it's all relative, and as weather patterns move through, we we look forward to spring. And you know, I know this time of year down there, there's a, there's a lot going on. But before we get into you know a, a recent fisher report, why don't you share with us for, for our audience a, a little bit how you got started running the charter service, a little bit about uh, you know your history of uh, fishing that area. I know you're a fourth generation waterman out of the Southwest Florida coast. Is that right? Yep, I am. A lot of a uh, lot of family history with fishing here. As far as you know, my family goes. I mean, I, I never really remember learning how to fish. It was just you know something that you know we did growing up. Um, you know, my dad and you know his dad before that. They were all fish. I mean, obviously different 
um, you know, venues of what they did for a profession. But, you know, I think the fishing stuff is probably what was what kept us going to do our, our real jobs. But, you know, uh, background for me, I did a lot of bass fishing growing up. You know, it's kind of like a, a lot of, you know, your good saltwater fishermen started out, you know, bass fishermen. You know, so that's kind of teaches you the fundamentals, the basics, and, you know, how to read a fish uh, for the most part. And, you know, saltwater fishing isn't that much of a transition as far as the fishing goes. The, the patterns are similar you know, you kind of have to, you get a chance to read, you know, where the fish are going to be and, and, you know, all that kind of good stuff like that. So, you know, transitioning over to saltwater fishing for us, you know, growing up, we were not only fishing, uh, we were, you know, scuba diving and all that kind of good stuff as well growing up. So not only did you get to fish above the water, but, you know, when you're diving, you get a chance to see their habitat, you get to see how they act, how they look at things, you know, what you're actually fishing on, which will kind of tie in later on a little bit as we talk about the boat stuff, um, you know, like gear and, and things like that later on the show. But, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, then I, I joined the Army out of high school back in 1990, went to basic training, and then fast forward 20 years after that, after being an Army Mariner for that amount of time. Um, so I have a lot of experience not only fishing, but, you know, being on the water and being a professional mariner as far as that goes. You know, I've got a lot of miles under my belt. And then one yeah. of the things that we always used to say as far as, you know, our, our fishing from our our army boats was it wasn't necessarily fishing it was called survival gear and then what we caught was emergency rations so that's all right. about you know like you say wording um and then after i got done with the military you know i was kind of like well what am i going to do um, i really don't want to go get a job you know at a walmart or wherever and you know i was like well you know i, I go fishing anyway you know so i'm, I'm probably going to be going so i might as well just keep going and maybe do it professionally so my luckily enough my a military license was able to transfer right over. I have a hundred ton, and I could probably upgrade it to a two hundred ton if I really wanted to. But you know, for us, that's kind of overkill for being just a, a lowly charter captain. But so that's how it kind of went. You know, I started my business up and just ground it out. And you know, a lot of money goes into it, and then you know, eventually it starts to kind of pay off for you, and you're able to you know not only live a good lifestyle but have fun at doing it. You know, and I think that that's really what you know keeps me going as being a charter captain because. You know, fishing is one thing, but being able to take people fishing and put them on fish, that's a whole, you know, different level. So once you kind of master that, everything's kind of fun. So, you know, I think that's what does it for me. It's because I actually enjoy seeing people catch fish. You know, some people, they like to fish, they like to catch fish. But for me, you know, I, I really enjoy not only seeing people catch fish, but, in, you know, enjoy teaching them a little bit because, you know, being in the military, we were, you know, as an NCO, I was always teaching people stuff too. I mean, we're always you're always constantly teaching. So, you know, that's a part of a big part of, um, you know, Kelly and, and my business is is that's what we do is we teach people, you know, to fish, not just take them fishing and say here's a fishing pole, but you know, here's why and here's what you do and here's how you target these fish. You know, so that when you want to go fishing, you know, you have a little bit more knowledge. Or if you'd like to come back and fish with us some more you know, it's a little bit easier. We can spend more time fishing rather than teaching you how to fish. So that's kind yeah. of what we do. Yeah. Well, you make a lot of good points, but first and foremost, we at Point Click Fish certainly want to thank you for the years of service that you put in. It's uh, quite an honor to have somebody that spent so much time on the water in so many different areas uh, doing so many different things as, you know, part of our network and calling in for the show. Um, and, and you make a great point that with bass fishing, that translates so well to a lot of the inshore fish tactics, fishing tactics that we have uh, a lot of the same lures work, a lot of the same uh, structure and habitat where the fish live. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it is interesting to talk to different people and to hear how many people did get their start like you and I did, you know, bass fishing. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree. I mean, you, and you do. You hear it a lot. 
Um, I mean, I use that point. I do a lot of seminars too. So, I, you know, once a month I'll do a, a seminar down here at West Marine, and normally mm-hmm. they kind of pack us in this little corner over there. And like our last seminar, we probably had 60 or 70 people that were talking. And, you know, I always kind of start my seminars out with is, you know, what can I, you know, I have a topic to talk about, but it's more geared towards what, what can I tell you guys or what can we talk about that, you know, you're interested in? What is it that you right. guys want to talk about that I can teach you? So that's kind of, you know, I enjoy it. And I always get, you know, afterwards I get comments and, you know, people come up to me and they're like, man, that was a really great seminar you did, you know. So I, I get enjoyment out of that as well. So that's another one of the aspects of it. It's really fun to me. Yeah. You know what? A good guide is also an educator in a lot of ways. And I know that you, you know, worked hard to create a partnership uh, with what you do with Captain Kelly Everly. Um, and it sounds like she's got that same passion and that same, you know, enthusiasm for teaching people about the saltwater fisheries there in your area. Yeah, it's really cool because she and I met a few years back, and she, her actually her grandfather and her dad booked a trip with me, and we just clicked. You know, that was one of those things where you just you, you meet that person and you felt like you've known that person for many many years, and not only you know did we we hit it off, but she's a phenomenal fisherman. I mean, it's really I kind of get a giggle out of it because you see a lot of you know men that have you know fished for many many years. And they kind of underestimate her. You know, she's a pretty woman, a woman, you know, on top of that. But yet here she is, a a charter boat captain that will outfish probably 99% of the guys that she, you know, that will fish, you know, with a woman to begin with. But, you know, I mean, she's a very, very good angler. So, I mean, I I couldn't be happier um, with with her as far as being a part of, and it's our business together. It's not just my business. It's just as much hers because she puts a lot of hours into, like, the website. And, and Price, you guys can kind of vouch for me here as well. I mean, you guys took a look at our website, and you're like, wow, that's really good. You've done it, but you guys are going to do a better job for us. So we're excited about that as well. Yeah, that's what's funny is when we first met you guys and uh, you said, hey, you want to update a website? And uh, I can't tell you the horror stories that when Jay and I, being in the web business, we get some characters as far as to say we have, you know, no web presence or anything. Well, you guys are kind of the exact opposite. You guys are <laughs> yeah, blogged, pictures. And so, yeah, I mean, you guys, you did everything right. It's like, yeah, what can we do to enhance it? So that's all Jay and I are doing is just enhancing. Yeah, you guys are definitely a great example. And later on in the show, we'll talk more about y'all's website and kind of talking about what we're doing with you guys and, and then, of course, how people can get in touch with you for charters. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's have some fun. Let's talk more fishing. What can I? What other questions do you guys have for me as far as what we can talk about? Because I like to talk well, if you haven't noticed already. <laughs> well, and you can tell you a lot of fishing too. Tell, tell us a little bit about the the boats that y'all fish from and the uh, the habitats that you, you use those boats to, to kind of venture out. Sure, sure, absolutely. A lot of people kind of you know you know don't really realize you know they say that. You know, they have these boats and they have those boats and stuff like that. But I tell you something that I have kind of realized as far as being a, a boat operator for, you know, all these years is, you know, every little area, you know, whether it be, you know, Maine or whether it be on the East Coast, West Coast, whatever, they kind of have their little but their boats that the local people there that have designed and kind of, yeah. you know, tweaked and perfected and kind of, well, this is why that we have this stuff here. Well, down here in our area, we have, just like you guys do, they're kind of on the Albemarle Sound and the areas that you guys fish up there, Chesapeake Bay and whatnot. It's it's very similar. We live in an area that we're fortunate enough to have, what we, and we call it, you know, it's kind of been coined the tarpon capital of the world. But the bay style of boat that we use, and I have a 24-foot Pathfinder TRS, um, 
and the, um, the the reason why we choose those style of boats, that center console with the big open boat, me personally, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest questions that I get. Hey, Captain Jesse, what kind of boat should I buy? Well, the first thing I, you know, usually my reply back to them is, is that what is it that you're going to do in it, you know, 90, 95% of the time? You know, because they say, oh, we, we want a boat that we can get in out of the weather when the weather's bad and all this kind of stuff. I say, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> Let's stop right there, back up a little bit. Are you, gonna, are you buying a fishing boat or are you buying a, a, a you know, boat that you want to do something with the family most part of the time? That's the question that you need to answer first and foremost. But right. for me, a fishing boat, is the ideal fishing boat for me is a center console, lots of fishing room, lots of storage, big live well, you know, that kind of And my Pathfinder is kind of that. I mean, yeah, when you choose a boat, sometimes you're going to have to kind of settle here or settle there for a certain thing. But with the Pathfinder that I have, it kind of gives me the best of both worlds. Now, Kelly's boat, she has a shallow draft, which is, again, is like a locally made boat here. And that thing is absolutely a barge. I mean, it's a platform for the for the shallow water guys because it's a 24-foot flats boat that's absolutely flat pretty much on the bottom of it with a 9-foot yeah. beam. Um, wow. And that thing is very, very stable. And it's got a 225 Yamaha on the back of it. And, you know, it's not a speed demon by any means, but that thing will run with probably six people on it. It'll run in about, you know, six to eight inches of water. Now, sometimes yeah. that's a little bit that's a little bit scary, but, you know, the ability has the ability to do that. So. Right. But with my with my boat with the Pathfinder, you know, it'll sit with um, you know with a little bit of more water than that. It'll sit in about 12 inches or so, depending on what your load is. And I've got the new current model 250, the F250 four-stroke on there. And I tell you, that motor right there is that an absolute dream. I mean, it's computer-driven, it's fly-by-wire type stuff. You know, the fuel economy alone. It, it, had I known what kind of fuel economies these newer motors are getting, I probably would have gone with the 300. Um, but I was kind of thinking more, you know, weight and, you know, a little bit more displacement as far as the fuel stuff goes. But I'm get, you know, I'll get with four or five, six people in the boat, I'm getting, you know, 2.8 to 3.5 miles per gallon with this boat. So yeah. it's really good. Um, but yeah. it also allows me to do both. Um, it's one of those boats that's kind of a hybrid, you know, and it doesn't get real, real shallow. But yet if I want to fish, you know, for snook and redfish in the morning and then run offshore a little bit, it allows me to do that. And I tell you, I, I bought that boat back in 2014. I, I ordered it straight from the manufacturer, and uh, my year model was the first one they actually put the towers. They had put T-tops on there when the, in some of the other boats, but they hadn't really started putting towers on the boat yet. And I believe that my boat was probably one, one of the first, if not the first, with the tower on it. And my boat's got an 8-foot tower on it as well. Yeah. And uh, so does Kelly's boat. But I remember... Funny, I said, I want, you know, because the fellow that built it for me over at TT Customs, right there by where they built, where they put the Pathfinders together, uh, Skip Larson and I were kind of chit-chatting back and forth, and they put me in contact with the fellow that was doing uh, the tower, and he says, okay, well, what do you want, you know? And I said, well, I'll take all that fiberglass stuff off. All I want is a tower, and I want a platform to stand on and my helm up there, and then I want as many rod holders as you can get on it. And he's like, yeah. okay, well, we'll see what we can do for you. Well, they ended up getting 17 rod holders on the tower alone. <laughs> So, and I remember getting an email back from Skip when they finally finished it and sent it over to the plant to put it on the boat. And, and uh, he emailed me. He's like, "Dang, son, how many rod holders do you need?" And I emailed him back. Said, "Well, I could probably use a couple more. There's some areas up there we can stick a couple more in there." But, and that's um, kind of what I want to say too is, is, is you know, having all those rod holders, it gets the rods up and out of the way, so you have a lot more fishing room. Because you know, when we go take people on the trip, you know, I'm taking not just one rod per person. I mean, I'm taking right. you know, um, I'm taking my drop rods. I'm taking, you know, my big spinning rods. I take a bunch of, you know, because for us, you, you never know what in the world is going to come up on you. 
You know, right. one minute you're fishing, you're fishing for you know snook and redfish and trout in the shallow water, and then you want to change gears. You want to run outside. Hey, let's go dig for some grouper or you know or whatever it is. So you have Maybe to have a lot of options. In front of you, you got to have something ready for for whatever shows up. It, exactly, and I don't know how many times that that happens to us. You know, you just you're fishing for whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's a cobia. I mean, I've I've done that before too. We're sitting in three feet of water catching trout on a popper cork and a shrimp, and next thing you know. There's our, you know, a lot of all my equipment's all pinned, so you know, there he goes that, you know, the the inshore combo with, you know, a 20 pound leader on there, and there's a 33 inch cobia. Bang, he hits that one, then the, the other one hits the other one, then you've got two two cobias swimming around on a, on a you know, a conflict 3000. So it gets pretty exciting. Yeah. Yep. So you never know what in the world you're going to catch. You always got to have, you know, pretty much everything that you take along with you. Well, that's one of the sure signs of a of a good captain is one who's well prepared for whatever. To- come up and, and you know with your boat i've been on a number of pathfinders myself they are you know the perfect crossover that gives you the opportunity to fish that skinny water and and also get out off like you said off the beach a little ways even if the wind picks up a little bit you usually feel pretty comfortable and it's uh you know, they make they make great boats and having that tower probably gives you the opportunity to, to see the fish before your clients do and uh allows you to help point it out exactly where they need to be yeah exactly i mean i, I couldn't say you know enough good things about that Pathfinder. It's a good, solid yeah. boat. It's a great platform. You know, it performs well. And I, they changed the hole on it just a little bit in that, that year, you know, because they had previous years, their, the, you know, front of it was a little bit more of a slope, and they pushed it out just a little bit, I believe. And then, you know, so it gets its nose down a little bit, and it's able to cut that little bit of chop. I mean, you, I'm running, you know, I've had people say, you know, wow, you are driving this boat like there's no tomorrow. But yet it's, it's safe. It feels great. You know, it handles yep. that top well. And if you get it dialed in just right, I mean, that, that boat will go through some pretty – I mean, the the second week that I owned it, we, we slipped offshore a little bit, just putting you know putting some hours on it, you know, getting out there and getting a feel for her, you know, and putting it to the paces, make sure everything was running right. And we get about 20 miles offshore, which, you know, for us, we're still only about, you know, 50 feet of water because we got to get pretty far out there to get offshore. So, you know, we slip out there, and I've got the kids with me, and – you know, summertime, those thunder bumpers come up pretty quick, you know, and I look back at the shoreline, and Kelly says, you see that, right? And I said, mm-hmm, yep, I see that, <laughs> you know. Sometimes you can kind of wait it out, and it'll blow north or south, and, um, you know, we waited for a few minutes, and then, you know, I kind of had that sinking feeling like, oh, boy, this is going to get bad real quick, you know, so it kind of crossed my fingers and hoped that it'd blow over, but it, it didn't. It came right at us, and it went from glass calm to to a, a ripple, and I said, we got to go, we got to go right now. I felt the temperature drop, you know, and I was like, oh, man, it's coming. So we battened everything down, closed all the hatches, put the rods away, set the kids on the deck, and I punched it, man, and I had that 250 wide open so as long as I could, and we started to hit a one-foot chop, a two-foot chop, three-foot chop, and then just kind of went into, like, you know, all, we were in, like, seven, eight-foot seas in that boat, and I tell you what, it, it took every single swell. I mean, we had a couple – couple small waves kind of crest over the over the front of the boat but you know open the drains in the back the water gets out actually it was warmer when the water came in the boat than the rain was so it was <laughs> but uh, you know put it through some paces and you know built a lot of confidence in a boat like that when you're like man this thing is a tough tough boat yeah yeah well you're, you're obviously on the water a lot and i know that down down your way you may not have the same seasons that we have up here but i know you still do have some seasonality to your fishing and Right now, I'm assuming you're in your, your your winter season. What's the what's the local fishing report right now, and what what are you typically doing this time of year down on the water? Well, see, that's kind of the good thing for us. I mean, unless we get a really really cold snap, um, and and most of the time for us, it'll be cooler 
you know, in the morning or over in the night periods, but then usually by about 10 or 11 o'clock, you know, everything's kind of warmed back up a little bit. So um, we have a pretty good trout bite in the the wintertime. The snook can be a little bit fickle as far as the temperature goes. Once our temperature at water temps, you know, get down around 60 or or below, um, they kind of go into like a survival mode. And you can see them, they're right there, but you can throw everything at them. You can throw bait at them. You can throw whatever at them, and you ain't going to catch them. They're just not um, eating yeah, they're just, they just kind of get, and especially if it does it real fast, you know, I feel like you, yeah. you have, you know, 80 degrees, like today was, yesterday was like 80 degrees, um, but the, in the water temperatures, probably, you know, mid-60s now, which is okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you get a real cold night and that water temperature drops down real low like that, then, yeah, they go into survival mode, and they're like, whoa. So you have to, you know, move out into a little bit deeper water to six-foot range, and then, you know, those afternoons, and I'm sure you guys kind of do the same thing. You find those black, muddy bottoms that warm up yep. quick, and that's where the fish are going to be. So, Yep, that, that muddy bottom holds some heat, and then the shallow water, as long as they've got access between the shallow water and the deep water to move back and forth, they get comfortable there on those flats. And, and we, we up here in North Carolina, you know, we get the, the redfish in shallow water in the winter, and we can get them to feed in water as cold as you know, 45 degrees. I've, I've, been, I've been able to get them to eat. Now, they're... They're not as active as they are, you know, in the spring and summer season. But, you know, I guess it's nice not to have to worry about that. That probably sounds pretty cold to you down there in Buckgrass. Yeah, right, right. And plus, not only that, you have the inshore side of the house. Um, but if yeah. that's not working for you too well, all you got to do is you turn around, you go out about three or four miles, and we've got, you know, a really, really uh, the snapper, the mangrove snapper, the grouper and stuff, those guys are really, really heat up. And the cold doesn't really seem to affect them that much. And plus, you're right there on yeah. the Gulf, so you get – you know, water temperatures are a little bit more steady. Rarely do they they drop down below the 60s, and normally you see them, you know, 61, 62, 63, or or even higher. I think the other day it was like 68 or 67. At one point, latter part of the day, I think I was seeing like 69s. You know, like almost up to 70. So that type yeah. of water for the grouper. You know, red, we have red grouper, we have gag grouper, you get blacks, the mangrove snapper, lane snapper. We even get you know a fair amount of yellowtail snapper up here, believe it or not, yeah. which is surprising because we're kind of far north for that, but um, in the wintertime, you get a lot of the triple tails. So, you know, as long as the, the uh, crab pots are out and they're pretty easily accessible, you can run up and down the crab pot lines and just drive along. And as long as the weather's decent for you, you know, you can cover a lot of ground and find those triple tails. And they're usually pretty easy to catch. There's not too many times when you don't pop a nice juicy shrimp down in front of them and they don't pound it. So, Yeah, and they're such but, cool fish. I said they're such cool fish, too, the way they hang at the surface and kind of use that oh, structure yeah. from that, that crab pot float or whatever debris they've got out there on the water. Uh, not bad eating either. Oh, they're they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal eating. Yeah, absolutely. So, and we have a, a, another um, another type of fish that we get too. Have you ever heard of the hogfish or hog snapper? Yep, have. Yeah, those guys are really fun to catch too. And if you if you can, now we've got a lot of the other stuff like grunts and porgies and you know all the little fish that are bait stealer type stuff. But if you can get it yep. dialed in. Um, it, it's not uncommon for us to catch a lot of hogfish on the on the bottom on the reefs. So we have a lot of hard bottom out here. It's uh, lime rock, so we get a lot of that that we fish out here. So that's that's pretty good stuff too. And it usually holds a lot of fish. And if you can you can find a place with you know a good number of fish on it, you sit in one spot and you can wear them out. So uh, we did real good with a gag grouper and a lot of mangs and a lot of lane snapper the other day too. I mean, folks come out and. They have a really good time just catching fish. Sometimes they just want to catch fish. Like, we just want to yeah. catch a bunch of fish. I'm like, all right, we're going to go out here. We'll go snapper and grouper fish. And then and every now and then, too, you actually we had a we had something on. I think it was uh, we actually pulled a couple of Bonita in the other day, too, on our last trip. And 
And uh, and those things are always fun because they do they do the circle. You know, they go around the boat just like those the big tuna that you guys get up there as well. But and they're a little bit smaller scale, so but uh, still fun yeah. to catch. You know, they pull some drag real hard. Yep, sounds like on light tackle they're a lot of fun and you've got a real good you know, mixed bag. It sounds like on the bottom fishing and between the you know, limestone reef ledges and the uh, the shallow water flats, it's a lot of really good fish habitat. It sounds like. Yeah, it is. It's one of the. It's probably one of the areas that's you know it's kind of why we chose this. And there's a lot of guides that are that are here in this area because there's so much options that you have. You know, if one fishing's bad, like I said, you know, you just pick up stake, move over a little bit, you know, try something else. Hey, you know, inshore bite maybe a little bit slow today just because of the tide. You guys want to go try something different. So we have so we have a lot of weapons in our arsenal to be able to, to choose yeah. and 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 pick from so that you know we can we can tailor your your trip you know yep. what really makes it really hard though is if somebody says hey i want to go catch redfish you know that man there's so many options out here you want to limit us to that you know and yep. some days they can be good and some days they can be bad so now having some diversity in the waters is nice and of course i know you're right on the cusp of waiting for your, your, your kind of peak season for your your tuffing fisheries you mentioned a little while ago that, that area down you know where you're at is you know really well recognized as a great tarp area to go and target tarpon uh Tell it us is, a little bit about what is. you're planning with the big fish. I'm sure you've got juveniles that are hanging out around the mangroves pretty much year-round, too. Tell us about the uh, tarpon fishery down in Greece. Yeah, well, it's a pretty good industry. I mean, they not even that, like my son, uh, their schools, um, they do a lot of juvenile fish tagging, so they'll go in some of the estuaries and the, and the shower mm-hmm. stuff, and they'll they'll pull in the nets with mm-hmm. the FWC. Um, actually, Kelly worked with FWC for a couple of years, you know, as, as uh, you know, until she got big enough to be in the full-time charter captain, which were both are full-time charter captains. And um, so that was kind of cool because, you know, they got to go tag these juvenile tarpon and then let them go and they did studies and they measure them and, you know, all kinds of good stuff with that. So it's not just, you know, we go out there and see the, the migrating tarpon, but we do have local fish that are here as well that kind of hang around year-round around the yeah. Peace and the, and the Mayaka River, which is kind of odd because, you know, years pass, you, you don't necessarily see those fish that are out on the beach. Well, January because our our season was so warm our winters have been so warm Kelly and I were jumping tarpon in January on the beach you know so it was kind of kind of unheard of um, we had a really good Goliath grouper season as well so we're we're spooling up for that and Price is going to give us a good good push with that as well as far as doing the website stuff for us I mean a lot of people a lot of people call us and we've been fielding phone calls a lot here lately for our our 2016 tarpon season which I tell you if if you've got a you know, if you got a itch to to get in that, you better do it early because what'll happen is is a lot of folks are filled up, and then when you get filled up, you know, some of the guys you know kind of take advantage of that a little bit, and you end up paying a lot more for what than what right. you should. I mean, we we try to be fair, but as most as you can, but there's a delicate balance in there between being able to you know operate your business and still you know give yeah. people you know a good value for their money. And most you know most times what we do is is, is um, you know pretty fair. You know, it's not yeah. you know, it's not something that you're trying to gouge people out. But you know, when you're paying fifty dollars a a dozen for crabs to get out there, and you're running two trips a day, and you got three anglers on the boat, that fifty bucks yeah. adds up pretty quick. So, yeah, well, I'm sure when and, they uh, show up, it becomes a, a method of just general business practice, supply and demand, and you you obviously focus a lot of your energy around that fishery. And uh, you know, it's good to hear that you stay pretty busy that time of year. Tell us a little yeah, bit about the gear and kind of the techniques that you use when you're targeting those big fish. Well, well, which big fish are you talking about? Are you talking about the tarpon, the tarpon. or are you talking about the yeah, other the tarpon. other fellow there? We'll get the to the here in a second. Talk, talk, talk just a little about the tarpon fishery. What type of gear yeah. and uh, what kind of techniques do you use when you're when you're going out looking for the, the big tarpon when they show up? 
Well, there's two different styles of fishing. Um, I do mostly the beach fishing and side casting and stuff. Um, yeah. And then the other one, that, you know, the guys are fishing in the past. Um, I try to steer clear of that, not because of, you know, any gripes or complaints or anything like that, but I just, I prefer, you know, the challenge, if you will, of, of positioning the boat correctly, getting out there in front of the fish, making that good cast and putting that, you know, crab right where it needs to be and then having that um, the light tackle feel. The, the other type that they fish inside the past, they have a little bit heavier gear. You know, they're using conventionals, um, a little bit heavier lines. We're using, what I like to throw is I have the Spin Fisher 6500s, and um, spool that up with about 40 to 50-pound braid, depending on, you know, it's kind of a toss-up between, you know, getting, I always like to call it getting bit or getting broke. Um, if you go too light, you you know, you're going to break your line or, you know, they're going to part it some way or another. But if you go too heavy, then you you cut down on your castability, being able being right. able to make that throw. Um, and you can you can throw that little, you know, three-finger crab is the way we call them, but you can throw that little crab pretty far with 40-pound braid and an eight-foot, you know, battalion uh, coupled up with that uh, that Spinfisher 6500. So that's my preferred, um, you know, weapons of choice right there. And then we'll also couple that with um, some fluorocarbon leader. You know, I'd like to use about, uh, you know, arms, a couple arms length worth of, uh, and I tie a, I, I kind of made a little knot. Um, it was very similar to an Albright knot, but I, I kind of pulled it and and changed it a little bit because of the, the lines that we used to use in the in the army with our heaving lines, our main line to our, our mooring line or our heaving line to our mooring line rather. And I kinda took that same principle and I kinda made it a little knot and I call it the placida knot, which is kinda where we here are in, in Placida Englewood. So that's kinda cool too. It's a really small knot, it's really easy to tie and I'm always showing the people at the seminars with them and, and, and it winds right on that a lot of times they'll use like a double uni or you know blood knots and things yeah. like that and you you go to throw, and you actually you'll hear that go through your rod guides from the you know monofilament from the braid or the the fluorocarbon to the braid. And you'll hear it kind of go through your guides. This will not here. You know, I can I can cut it to a, a real small tag in, and then I'll pull a couple of those the um, the line the fluorocarbon over it, and you barely even hear it go through it. Which to me trans you know translates into distance because anything that drags. You know, it's going to cut your castability down a little bit. Yep. So that's kind of one of the things that I do there, too. So the fluorocarbon, um, you couple that with a, um, like a 6-aught uh, Gamagatsu uh, 3X or 4X hook, and I tell you what, you're in business right there, my friend. Well, looking at your website, it's pretty obvious that you've got them dialed in when they show up. And you know, I encourage people, and we'll talk more about the website again in a few minutes, but definitely encourage people to take a look at what, you, what you've done. Uh, you, you catch a lot of really nice fish down there, and, you know, it's pretty obvious to me that you you know you're using the right gear. You're you're bringing those fish to the boat fairly quickly and and releasing them healthy. Yep, and that's what we definitely try to do. I mean, we always we have a a pretty big problem too with the sharks. That time of the year, you know, you get a lot of bull sharks and a lot of big hammerheads. And I'm saying big hammerheads. I'm talking like 18 footers, you know. And <laughs> you get these pack these packs of eight and 10 foot bull sharks that are just the bull sharks are probably the worst because they just when they they attack they just pounce on it. They give no they give no you know, quarry to the tarpon whatsoever. They get hit, it's done. You know, you can call that yeah. the hammerheads now. The hammerheads come in, they're usually a little slower. They're not quite as, you know, as, I guess, eager, if you will, um, to pounce on those fish. And they'll chase them down and they finally will get them. But a lot of times what we'll do is, is if we see a shark or you can actually tell when the tarpon comes out of the water, it, you know, they kind of get to that point where they're, okay, I'm about done. And then all of a sudden yeah. they just go berserk. 
and that's like usually the sharks on them, you know, because they those sharks bird dog those those tarpon, you know, after you're fighting them for you know twenty thirty minutes, half hour, yeah. um, you know, you'll see them. As Kelly's been in the tower, as I'm down, you know, with the customer trying to you know give them a little, because I'm a coach, you know, I'm like, hey, this is what you do, this is what you don't do, you know, relax, enjoy it, you know, this type of stuff. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh my god, look at that shark! And a lot of times these hammerheads will come right underneath the boat. I mean, you know, this this shark is almost as big as the as the boat is, you know, and that's that's a pretty big pretty big boy and um so that's a lot of the the troubles that we have too so it's a balance in there you know once that tarpon you know starts getting that it gets gets antsy we just usually will open up the bale and let them run and try to at least get them away for a minute take the boat we'll try to drive right up on top of the shark and you know trying to chase them away but and most of the time they do they'll get away but you know every now and then they'll get them so we're always we're always sad of that so we try to try yeah, to protect them as well, sharks got to make a living out there too i guess but well, that, that's why they're there. They're there to fish. eat. It's, right. it's just just like a bait fish, you know. The the big fish are going to be where the bait fish are. So. Yep. Well, speaking of big big fish, I know, I know you your bread and butter is really that tarpon fishery, but you're also doing a lot with the uh, the glass blooper I can tell down in your area. Um, you know, what a great yep. success story from a conservation perspective. Share with us a little bit about how you feel about that fishery at this point. Well, the Goliath grouper thing, it's um, it's it's one of those things that. You know, people call us and they say, well, we want to do this. You know, how how many can we catch? You know, and a lot of it's dependent on, on you know, the season and, and just the weather that we've had. But one of the things that we always try to 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 get across to folks, and it's always, you know, we use catch words, phrase words, if you will, like school bus, freight train, you know, hooking onto the back of the pickup truck, you know, have your wife drive away with it, taking a Volkswagen, throwing it over the side of the boat, because that's, you know, and I always say that that description is inept. You know, and, and, yeah. and I I kid you not, this is a full contact sport. You know, and it, and if you get it to a point where you you get it dialed in and it becomes fun, but yet at the same time it's it's a little bit risky. I know you guys, you know, Mark Davis is a pretty good friend of ours, and we we've been fishing with him a lot too. So and I'm sure that you guys have picked his brain on that as well. And he'll he'll yeah. tell you the same thing. You know, he's broken rods. You know. But all the time, you know, we have some of our buddies that are lost a rod over the boat because you get tied into a big fish and the customer can't hold on to it. Um, yeah. But I've, I tell you, I've got a I've got a little system that I've started to work a little bit, and I have a really good friend of mine um, who makes these uh, fighting chairs. He actually made it for the tarpon, but um, we've been putting it through some really tests with the Goliath grouper as well. I mean, it's well above and beyond. It's called deck gear. Um, it looks like a little bit like a bar stool, but it's got a a quarter inch stainless steel plate that the gimbal is mounted to on top of the the bar stool stuff that they make is made out of the same stuff you make they make the towers out of in the T top. So it's a really good high quality uh, aluminum and I tell you what, I, I couldn't tell you the number of, of fish that I put across this thing and um I have yet to break one. So it's a, it's pretty good. Check him out, uh, Deck Gear, and a real good friend of mine, Mark. He's actually a firefighter, and he, and he made these chairs just because he likes to tarpon fish and kind of turned it into, you know, a little business. So, I mean, that's that's kind yeah. of a good way to, to go that way. But, but um, you know, we use um, – here's to give you an example. We use, uh, like, 650 to 700-pound uh, monofilament with a 20-aught circle hook, and, and usually we're in, using anywhere from about, you know, a, a pound and up of worth of lead – um, and about a 16-inch stingray. Uh, that's what we use for bait there. And um, I tell yeah. you what, that's when you get a bite, you know, people are like, how do I know I'm going to get a bite? And I'm like, you're going to know. Just trust me. Uh, there's all, you know, there's a whole bunch of little, you know, tips and, tri- and tricks that we have to do to keep, you know, folks safe. And usually Kelly's down here with them too, 
you know, keeping yeah. them safe. And um, and I'm driving the boat, and I've got a uh, the Minkota iPilot, you know, 112. So that thing's got some pretty good thrust to it. And there's a lot of times too when you know those things grab a hold of it, and, and they get you get a good hook set on them. They're pulling that pathfinder around. They pull that 24 foot pathfinder yeah. around like no problem whatsoever. So yeah. I use I use the main engine and the trolling motor there, kind of in tandem like a bow thruster. And um, a lot of the helicopter pilots have always kind of told me that it's kind of like driving a helicopter is like standing on top of a, a, a ball trying to juggle, you know, all at the same time. You know, it's, it's takes some dexterity and stuff. And driving that trolling motor um, while they're anglers fighting the fish and, you know, you're in the current usually too, so you're either stern to the current backing up the whole time. Um, I tell you what, it gets it gets hairy and it gets challenging sometimes. And sometimes our anglers will get pulled off that chair, you know. we Luckily, we have a, a, dumb, we have a dummy cord uh, you know, dog leash clip onto the, the rod itself and it's tied to the chair, which the chair has got a turnbuckle to it, so it's bolted to the deck. Um so, you know, that thing's pretty sturdy and their yeah. their pride gets hurt a little bit sometimes, but you know, it's well, like I say it's a it's a full contact sport when those jokers get a hold of it and they make a run. There's there's not many times you get to stop them. They usually tear, they'll wear you out. So Yeah. Well when you're dealing with fish that's two, three times bigger than you are it's no surprise that you have people to get lifted up out of that chair and you know, looking at your, your website i see that sometimes you get into the water to get the picture with and i i was curious yeah, how many a, people got into the water on their own uh on a quarter how many were actually pulled in <laughs> hey, well no well we we fish pretty close to there's a boca grand has a really deep channel you know that runs through there. some of the parts of it are like 70 foot deep so you know the the goliath grouper they'll have they they have a tendency to come back kind of to their same areas and they'll they're you know, creatures of a habit, and they're they're in there because there's a lot of water that goes across there. You know, just like anywhere else, you have a nice little funnel. That funnel is going to squirt you know water through there, which is going to translate into good clean water and a lot of food that's going to come across there. So they don't have to right. spend a whole bunch of energy, you know, to go look for food. It comes to them. You know, I always say in my seminars too that you know fish are efficient. You know, they're not you know say all people are the fish are lazy. No, they're not. They're gonna, they're doing a mathematical calculation to figure out how much energy do I need to expend to chase that piece of bait to what I'm gonna get in return in, in energy. So a lot of times, you know, they're they're looking at it, they know it's there, and then that's how like, you know, when you're bass fishing you've got to get that reaction strike stuff, you know, they don't have a chance to think about it, they just they just bang, they eat it. So and that's why those fish are there. So that's kinda you know, that's one of those things that pushes a lot of water and brings a lot of food to them. Yes, yeah, it's great that they've made the the recovery that they have and that they're available for you know, guys like you that are down there targeting them. You can tell that more and more people are, you know, getting the chance to, to do battle with some pretty amazing fish. Yep. And I, I know and I there's think, a lot of other stuff that you do down there too. So you know, make sure to fill us in on the other stuff that you target while you're out there. Yeah. Well, one more thing about the Goliath is, you know, a lot yeah, of folks yeah. are, you know, claim that they're, they're nuisance, uh, you know, which, you know, sometimes you can be, if you're out there trying to target, you know, snapper and grouper, um, you know, a lot of times if you're if you don't have the right gear and you know get that fish up and out of there really quickly, then yeah, of course those Goliath grouper are going to take advantage of that opportunity. Sure. They see a fish in distress, and it's just like you fishing with a pilchard or something. You know, they see a fish in distress, bang, they're going to eat it. You know, and that's the same same thing. And you know, they're opportunistic; they're going to take advantage of that. And a lot of people say, oh, they're down there eating all the you know grouper and the snapper, and there's not going to be any fish left because the Goliath grouper are eating everything. No, not necessarily the case. You know, that's, you know, we've, we've heard the term too. Then that's like a, you know, a school bus trying to catch a Ferrari. It's just, it's not going to happen. I mean, I've, I've been diving with them down there and I've seen yeah. the snapper and the grouper swimming right around them and they never bother them. But I tell you what, you right. put one on the hook or you shoot one with a spear gun, that's a different story and you're going to have some yeah. issues there. So well, they're, they're a native species and, you know, they're just about 
you know, they're overfished pretty heavily at one point back in the past. And, and again, it's good to see them, you know, come back so that, you know, that they're surviving. I'm like you. I've done a lot of diving down in the Keys and South Florida area. And, and when you see them, they're, they're very territorial. You know, they don't they don't chase too far off where they're at. And, you know, definitely a, a fish that I'm glad to see has made a good recovery. Yeah, I kind of think that they'd like to, you know, I, I mean, this is from a guide's uh, aspect of it, but I, you know, Picking one or two here and there probably wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, there are a yeah. lot of fish, and some people, yeah. you know, unfortunately, what they're doing too is they'll go down there and they'll they'll take a you know bank stick. I mean, they're obviously not supposed to be doing this, but I've seen them, you know, and I've seen dead goliath before too, where folks are going down and they're taking matters into their own hands. But you know, right. I, so I think maybe the you know the state should maybe open it up a little bit, like they do with the alligator tags. You know, you get so many tags per year or whatever it is, and you're allowed to take a couple, and you know, it would yeah. kind of help the economy as well because if you know, yep. folks want to pay for it. You know, you, you charge them, you know, a thousand dollars for a tag or something like that. You know, it's gonna it's gonna definitely put a limitation on who's gonna buy them because not everybody's gonna get them. But then, you know, at the same time, it's kind of you know helps put money back into the state. You know, for whatever they need to do. Yep. Yep. Now, like I was saying earlier, I don't want to move on from the life group too fast because I know they're an exciting fishery. But I also know that you're in the area you're at, you, you see a lot of different stuff. You had mentioned red drum and. Snook, and we talked a little bit about Cobia. I've seen on your page you catch some kings here and there. Yep. Tell, tell us a little bit about the other uh, the fish species that you target and a little bit how you go about uh, you know, deciding what you're looking uh, for on any given day. Yeah, well, the, you know, you definitely have, you'll have seasons where fish move through, like the Plagics. You know, you'll have the kings and the Spanish. You'll have uh, Permit. Um, we have Pompano. And, you know, you have, like I said, the triple tail, and you get a lot of other small fish or the other fish that will come through, too. Like I said, you know, sometimes we get the tuna that will come through. You get those little black fin tuna. Um, you get mm-hmm. the bonita schools that will come through. You have jacks and ladyfish. And, you know, so there's, there's just a, you know, a wide – and a lot of it, too, is, like, kid-friendly fishing is, another you know, something you'll see on our websites as far as it goes. You know, kids don't care what they catch. They just want to go out, and as long as they're catching fish one way after another – they could care less about what they're doing. And that was a lot of, yep. you know, a lot of things that Kelly and I kind of pride ourselves on as well, you know, is get the kids out there and let them have fun, you know. I mean, you know, there's sheep's head, you know, right now our, our wintertime, the sheep's head bite is, is going pretty good. You know, you see all the guys are lined up around the bridges and, you know, around the trestles and things like that, catching sheep's head. There's another little good tactic I like to use for the sheep's head is I like to use live shrimp, you know. That's got to be your best. You know, you pinch that little mm-hmm. section of tail off, you thread them on a quarter-ounce jig head, and you drop it down a little bit, and you keep it nice and steady. And the, the sheep's head bite is a lot different than any other fish. You know, most of the other fish, your grunts, the snappers, things like that, they'll pop it. You know, you'll feel a sharp tap, a wrap. The sheep's head don't like that. You know, they'll tickle a little bit. They'll tickle a little bit. And what I like to do then is, is when I start to feel that tickle, I'll take my rod tip and I'll lift it just a little bit. And if that rod tip mm-hmm. stays still, you stick them, you got them. So that's one of those pretty good techniques that you can use for that. But now, starting to come up here pretty soon, like last year, we get a pretty good cobia run. And uh, last year, I think it was about March, uh, so it'll be coming up here pretty soon. Uh, Kelly actually jumped a sailfish about eight miles out of Boca Grande, which is, you know, it happens from time to time. It's not something you're going to go out and catch all the time, but that's just, you know, kind of one of those things just like, man, that's crazy. You know, eight miles out of Boca Grande, you got, you know, sailfish, jumping a sailfish out of there. So that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, well, that's, again, why you've really got to be rigged up and ready for anything. Because when those fish show up, you're not going to have time to switch out your gear or to, you know, make major changes on the boat at that point. You're going to get one shot at them a lot of times. <laughs> yep, that's just it was, you happen to have it right there. I had a you know free line set up and grabbed a thread fin herring out of the out of the box real quick, and we just pitched out there because I thought it was an, I actually had just caught 
like a 70 pound cobia, you know, it was like, man, that yeah. was a beast, you know, I got like 35 minutes to get that joker to the boat. And, um, you know, I kind of did the same thing and I turned around and looked and I thought I saw another cobia fin come out of the water as they were, they were sunning, you know, and I grabbed the rod, pitched it out there, you know, handed Kelly a rod and I was getting ready to grab another one too. And she's like, all right, I hooked up. And I looked up, here come a sailfish out of the water. I'm like, no way. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I know preparing for the show, I had the chance to you know take a look at your Facebook page, look over your website, and it's it's pretty clear that you try to keep anglers up to date with what's going on. Tell people how they can you know keep up with what the, what's happening down in your area, and, and of course make sure to share your contact information with us. That way, anybody who's listening in, regardless of where you're from, whether you're down in Florida or from you know up in Massachusetts, if you'd like to take a vacation down your way, how can they get up with you? Get in on some of that action. Well, see, that's one of the good things about what our area is, is because we're kind of one of those, and I and I think I've heard Price and, and Jay say the same thing about we're one of those fishing destinations. You know, that's where, yeah. where people actually come to go fishing. Um, you know, Boca Grande and uh, the Charlotte Harbor area, great estuary. You know, great fishing, and not only that, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, we're not too far from Fort Myers, we're not too far from Sarasota, so you've got airports on both sides of us. Um, you know, you've got a lot of places to stay, like here on Boca Grande, uh, which is Gaspar Island there, like Cosa Boca. Um, there's a lot of places. There's a lot of old-timey shops. There's a lot of places. You know, our good friends over on Dearborn Street, uh, Taylor Mills and his wife, you know, they run the uh, the Buckings Landing, which there's a lot of history around here, too, as far as those things goes. Buckings Landing was one of those places where they used to run the ferries back and forth before they had bridges and roads and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. just, you know, one of those places like that. And, you know, a lot of quaint quiet place here in Inglewood. It's not all the hustle bustle. It's not huge, you know, big city type stuff. It's kind of quiet, you know, it's kind of laid back, you know, you got, you know, you have Publix and Walmart and everything like that, like every place it does. But, um, but yeah, if you, um, you guys want to get in touch with us and come down, you can, you know, give us a call. Um, you can, you can check us out online webpage. Um, you know, our business name is Florida Inshore Extreme Charters. And that was kind of my play on words. Uh, if you look at the letters, it says F I X. And, you know, how are you going to get your fix? Well, you can give us a call and get your fix. That's FloridaInshoreExtreme.com. And pretty soon, um, Price is going to launch his uh, version of our website as well. And that's uh, BocaGrandGuide.com. And, uh, you know, always give us a call, 941-698-0323. That's our our phone line there. Or you can email us at uh, jesse at FIXCharters.com. And, uh, obviously, we have, you know, Facebook. We have Twitter. Um, and uh, all the other Instagrams and all those other things there too that yep. that you guys can get a hold of us with, and you know I'm sure that now that you know Jay and I are friends, you guys can look on your uh, Facebook and you guys can pick us up there as well. That must certainly yeah, you know, tell us cool. a little bit about the, the tweaks you guys are making. Say, oh, say that again. Well, well, I was going to tell you we were talking about kind of what we've done to y'all's website, you know, just for because a lot of people. Uh, on the shows are always asking about different charter captains' websites. And, uh, you know, sometimes we hear, like, they're not great or they uh, not enough information or they're hard to book and all that. And, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show, Jesse and Kelly's website was exactly the exact opposite. They had everything <laughs> right and stuff. And so what we wanted to do is just spruce it up for them, pretty it up a little, and then add, obviously, some kind of uh, uh, new technology and new features that's going to, make their site, you know, web-friendly, mobile-friendly, tablet-friendly, and all that. But, you know, Wayne even said earlier in the show as well that when you go to their website, it's nothing but pictures, and the pictures are amazing to see some of these catches that both Jesse and Kelly have caught and stuff. And so uh, we'll be launching the new site probably in the next three to five days. And so 
Again, you'll be able to go to FloridaInshoreExtreme.com or BocaGrindGuide.com. And so uh, both of them will lead you to the new website, and uh, you'll go there, and uh, he'll have, uh, oh, gosh, Jesse, you got everything, don't you? Fishing reports, pictures, yep, videos, yep. blogs. Yeah, we try to do a little bit uh, all. We like, to have, we like to have fun, you know. I mean, to me, that's yeah. why I'm doing this is because I like to have fun. I mean, it's if it didn't cost us thinking much, I'd probably take people for free. But you know, I got to be able to support the habit. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the folks that come fishing with us just and you guys you can go to the TripAdvisor site and you can look at that. You know, and I always tell mm-hmm. folks, hey, you can put whatever you want to on there. You know, if you had a good time, if you had a bad time, whatever it was. You know, and if you actually go on there and you look at it, you can tell the difference between the the, the sites or the folks that that go on the website and all they say is you know, hey, great job, Captain, or, you know, whatever, you know, little short one thing. Most of our reviews, folks go on there and they've actually sat down, they take a few minutes, they write a nice little paragraph, and they say, hey, look, you know, we had a really good time. And that's that's who we are. I mean, that's exactly what. So when anybody calls me, that's the first thing I usually tell them is I say, hey, thanks for call, thanks for the email, appreciate it. But, you know, once we're done with here, do me a favor. Go on the TripAdvisor site and take a look. That way you know who you're getting, you know exactly what kind of folks we are and you know what kind of service to expect, you know. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to fluff it up. I'm not going to tell you that we're going to take you out and catch the world, but we're going to do our best, you know. We're going to take you out and uh, do our very best to put you on some fish and, Hopefully, if the fish cooperate, you won't have a good day. I promise you this, though. You'll have great service and you'll have fun. So, <laughs> Well, we yeah. know that for sure. And, um, uh, you know, we haven't, Jan, I haven't officially announced it yet, but we, we'll be reformatting the Point Click Fish website uh, sometime in 2016. And we're, uh, uh, we're going to have a lot of featured bloggers and guests, writers, and contributors to the website. And Jesse and Kelly are both... Uh, We've talked to them, and they're going to start being guests uh, on the uh, on the website pretty soon. So pretty soon, you'll be seeing uh, special articles from Jesse and uh, pictures uh, as well, and they'll be talking about fishing down in Florida because, you know, it's like Wayne said, we like to get different perspectives. You know, just because we're based in one location, we want to know what's going on all over the world and stuff. So we're just not about talking about one location, you know, just a certain type of species and all that. So, uh, you know, uh, Jesse and Kelly have been kind enough to offer uh, uh, their input and tell us about, you know, especially the tarpon and the grouper down there. And I don't know, Wayne, I think I'm ready to go down there and uh, try my hand at trying to catch one of those big boys. It's time to book a trip. It well, sounds like we might be even too late with what's going on. You've got a, a lot coming up right around the corner. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I tell you what, th- those, that's one of those things that, you know, a lot of, we get a lot of bucket lists, you know, like that's on my bucket list. I got to do it. I got to do it, you know, and, and I, every single time, you know, I, I love to look on folks' face, you know, after that first, you know, not only the first hit, but that first fight. And I always ask them, you know, kind of slyly, I say, so how was my description? Was it was it just or was it inept? And they're like, dude, you didn't even come close to being able to see. I told you, there's a lot of little rules that go in there with it, but that's one of those fish. When you get hit, you know. You're like, oh, my God, what did I do? And it's usually followed by a whole train full of explicit words, you know, so... That's one of those things you know you get hooked up. A couple of Advil later in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we're like, those are one of those fish that not only are you going to catch it today, you're going to feel it tomorrow. Yep, most definitely. <laughs> well, Jesse, we appreciate you taking time to call in. Before we let you go, is there anything else you want to share? Anybody that helps to support you out on the water, you want to make sure you give a shout-out? Or anything else you want um, to share with our audience? You know, 
you know, we we kind of already talked about a lot of our spot. You know, the the, the hook guys, those are great, and I love their shirts. You know, and and, and yeah. Bryce and Jay and I know because we get in there. You know, Mark Davis is all you know in a huge family. You know, a lot of the guys that are done that stuff, and they've done such a wonderful job with that with those with that product line there. Um, you know, Hummingbird uh, is is my choice as far as my electronics go, and those are really great systems. They've launched the new Onyx system as well, which is really you know price point wise, it's really affordable. Um, really great machine. I love my Pathfinder boat and Yamaha, and I can't really say much more about that as far as we pretty much beat that one to death. Um, but, you know, those are the things, you know, our, our pen rods and reels, you know, we can't do what we do without that. You know, that was probably the biggest thing that we do. So those are yeah. uh, those are a few of the, the things that we use, and they really work. And I tell you, we put them to the test so that you guys know, and we have a direct line of communication with those guys too. Anytime, you know, anything goes wrong with it, we you know, we're on the phone or we're on the email with them and call them and say, hey, this is what's going on. Um, you know, our Talon, uh, Mencota Talon and the Mencota Isle Pilot, I tell you what, I've been through a lot of the, you know, the other brands, shallower anchors, and I've broken a lot of them, and I've had a lot of them break on me, you know, right at the wrong time. And uh, my, my new Talons that I've got that I, we've been, I've actually been testing out the 8-foot model for them, too. And um, I tell you what, if you haven't tried those guys out, they, you know, take a look at those things because those things are they're quiet, they're strong, and you stay put. So I really... I really can't say a whole, um, you know, enough about those guys as far as that guy's too. But you know, really great stuff. And uh, again, thank you guys for the invite. Anytime you need me to come, you know, take up a whole hour of your show for you, um, just let me know, and I'll be more than willing to to get on and chit chat and talk fishing. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, I like to talk and um, you know, I like to talk about fishing. So uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And um, I guess we'll talk to you soon. Amen. Thanks, Captain Jesse. Good talking to you. Thanks, Jesse. We'll talk soon, bud. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Price, it's great to have a, another caller coming in, another great captain from the South Florida area, really exposing our audience to what's happening uh, down there in those warmer uh, subtropical waters of uh, South Florida. Yeah, it, it is great. You know, that's one thing that we enjoy, uh, especially, you know, because Florida is such a popular fishing destination. You know, Peter Miller yeah. kind of alluded last week that you know they call it the fishing capital of the world and all that and uh it's been neat getting to meet and talk to some of these anglers from florida because you know with florida being such a big fishing destination it's just kind of uh, it's very cool hearing their perspective and what you know how they they fish down there and all that so it's uh it's great to get those comparisons and obviously i think people who listen uh especially you know, we got our, our main fan bases in the carolinas and southeast and I'm sure people uh, love picking up a little tips and tricks along the way when they hear some of these anglers talk about uh, their fishing. Yeah, well, and then a lot of people, as we said, will will travel down that direction this time of year to to, to go after bucket list fish, as he mentioned, you know, tarpon, goliath grouper, permit. You know, there's a lot of fish down there that uh, sell fish. You know, a lot of fish on the, mm-hmm. the Florida coastline that just get a lot of attention, and they've got a great fishery down there, so it's it's great to uh, you know to have some connections down there where we're able to highlight the, uh, the changing of the seasons and the stuff that they've got going on. Uh, as we mentioned, just great habitat. The only uh, coral reef you can drive to in the continental United States down in the Keys. So you've got that. Mm-hmm. You've got beautiful blue water. You've got beautiful flats and the Everglades. You know, just a lot of a uh, lot of great opportunities to target saltwater and freshwater species down in uh, in South Florida. And you know, I'm really excited. I'm going to be planning a trip down to Miami in March. And, Certainly, and talking to the guys that we've had, you know, show the past couple of weeks, it kind of gets your, your your heart beating a little bit faster and gets you excited to take that trip down there. So we 
we hope our, our listeners have enjoyed the opportunity to uh, they learn from some of the best in that area. Oh, yeah, and, you know, with our network expanding the way that it is, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking to some more captains in the near future from, you know, in Florida in general. Like you said, Wayne, I mean, uh, there's the you got the best of both worlds in Florida, just kind of like we do here with freshwater and saltwater and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm sure in, on future shows uh, we'll be bringing you some more guests from uh, – uh, you know, different parts of Florida and talk about the species and the fishing and what's going on at certain times of the year and stuff. And so uh, we look forward to doing that. And that's why we're excited about having Jesse and Kelly, you know, contribute to the, you know, to the blogs and uh, information to the website, just so people get that perspective, you know, from that area, yeah. that particular area of the world. And so, uh, you know, we're definitely excited to have them and we're excited to, uh, you know, be a part of, uh, their business as well as far as like uh their website is concerned and so they've been great to work with and i can't say enough about them and you know uh, i hope at some point i don't know when we'll do it but i definitely would uh hope that we can all take a trip down there at some point in the near future and uh, go fishing with those guys yeah yeah it's, a, it's an exciting area to visit and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff going on down there and it's you know, it's always a lot of fun coming on the air with you guys too price you and you and Jay have become like family to me, and I look forward to Thursday nights every every week. And I you know, just really appreciate the opportunity to continue to bring the content that we bring to our to our audience, whether it's through our Facebook page or our website, and you know all the different things that we do, including the radio show. It's a uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. Oh yeah, we can't thank you enough, Wayne. And hopefully Jay will be back uh, next week. Uh, uh, I don't. Uh, I enjoy doing the radio show, but sometimes uh, when I know I have to talk an extended amount, I uh, you know I have to get my little DJ voice ready to go, Wayne. So. <laughs> Jay slacking this week, man. What's he great, doing really? So. We, we better not give away what he's up to. But here soon we'll have some big announcements coming up. As you said, a relaunch of the website and a, a lot of stuff on the horizon. So we're we're really excited about the you know the upcoming spring season. And uh, you know, as you said, really excited to. Uh, had another quality show on tonight. Thank everybody for joining us tonight. And again, uh, if you want to check out tonight's radio show or any show that we've done in the past, uh, pointclickfish.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, we'll have uh, normally an image of a post of the show that you can go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, you can go back to any of our shows. Uh, check out Peter's show. If you didn't have a chance to listen to Peter Miller, Bass to Billfish, uh, Wayne, you and Jay did. Uh, Talked with Mark Davis with Big Water Adventure a couple weeks ago, and that was a great interview. And so, if, yeah, uh, if you a, haven't listened to any of those, check those out. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great year so far with the radio show, and we're we're excited to have some more more big guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, definitely tune in every Thursday night, and if you miss us live, make sure to catch it out on podcast after the fact. And until next week, we appreciate everybody listening in, and uh, you know, keep safe out on the water. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon, Bryce. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon, Wayne. Thank you. Take care.